Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Rob. Hello. But we're not alone. Once again, we welcome back Luke, who is joining us today to bring us his knowledge and his enthusiasm. Hello. <laughs> yep. All Isn't right. that what we're going with? That's <laughs> You guys have got to give me a bit more, uh, but that's, that's all good. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? That's right. This episode of Rewind and Review, we will look at a movie that followed up the movie that made us believe a man could fly and what we consider to be the superhero comic movie that started them all. The adventure continues as we look back and celebrate its 40th anniversary. Look up in the sky, move faster than a speeding bullet and prepare to leap a building in a single bound as we rewind to the year 1980. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Following the newly revived interest in science fiction film, thanks to the success of Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Star Wars, and the comic book movie landscape forever changed with the release and success of the first major big-budget superhero film, Superman the Movie. The decision to produce both films simultaneously was about to pay off with the release of its sequel, Superman 2. So it released in December of 1980 in Australia and mainland Europe and then in other countries throughout 1981, Superman 2 saw the return of Christopher Reeve as the title character. Directed by Richard Lester and written by Mario Puzo and David and Leslie Newman, Superman 2 is, of course, based on the DC Comics character of the same name. Although being filmed at the same time, tensions rose between original director Richard Donner and the producers in which a decision was made to stop filming the sequel, uh, which had already been completed, and finish the first film. Following the release of Superman in 1978, Donner was controversially fired as director and was replaced by Richard Lester. Be warned that if you haven't seen Superman 2 or potentially any other Superman material that might come up uh, yet, uh, but you want to go watch, I guess, this movie first. Uh, before listening to this episode, we will be talking spoilers. <laughs> Superman, played by Christopher Reeve, boils the plot of terrorists by hurtling their nuclear device into outer space. But the bomb's shockwaves free the Kryptonian villain General Zod, played by Terence Stamp, and his henchman Ursa, played by Sarah Douglas, and Narn, played by Jack O'Halloran, from their imprisonment in the Phantom Zone. Travelling to Earth, they threaten the planet with destruction at the same time that Superman decides to renounce his superpowers in order to live a normal life as Clark Kent with his new love, Lois Lane, who's played by Margot Kidder. All the while, Lex Luthor, played once again by Gene Hackman, escapes from prison and allies with Zod after learning Superman's secrets. All right, guys, here we are once again. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, yes. The, the classic Superman movies. We've done the first one. Now we're back. We're doing Superman 2. Well, I have to admit, we can't really do these ones without Luke because we understand how 
how strong he feels about this. So I reckon Luke should start us off with his little experience with this movie. Oh, thanks, oh, Why Rob. are you here? I, um, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, thanks for inviting me back. Because, yes, I did do the first Superman movie with you guys. And you did say if you were going to do the second one, you'd invite me back. This movie. You're very welcome. Like, okay. <laughs> this movie I have seen so many times. Like a ridiculous amount of time. The, the last episode I did with you guys was Ghostbusters, another movie that I've seen many, many times. And watching it as a kid and watching it again now, there's so many different elements that make up this movie that I guess when you're a kid, it's all the action. As you get older, it's a bit more the drama. But this is, is still a fun movie. And I know we're going to get into it, dissect it. But I've always watched this movie. I can't remember a time where I'd not seen it. It is, for the longest time, it was a gold standard with superhero movies. And being a sequel, you know, a lot of movies have a reputation of not having the best sequels. Superman 2 has always been up there. The Godfather Part 2 and another superhero movie, or two more, X-Men 2 and Spider-Man 2. Love this movie. (laughs) Great. What about yourself? Well, true to my usual form, I actually watched this for the very first time there in preparation go. for this podcast. So there it did is. Did you really? Is. I did indeed. So um, if you listeners would remember, possibly, uh, I had seen the original Superman, well, bits of it, most, most of it. So I understood what was going on with that. But yeah, um, I this actually didn't feature at all, really, um, in my childhood. So it was only really recently, as of 48 hours ago, that I... Uh, had my very first really foray into Superman 2. So I'd heard a bit about it. I actually had heard well in advance about the, um, the you know, the, the production difficulties that we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, I watched it for the first time only a couple of days ago. So. All right, cool. So we, we've got the hardcore fan. We've got uh, Fresh Blood. Um, and with myself, <laughs> with myself. Oh, yeah, I've seen this a handful of times. Um, I'm dare, I'm not going to say I've seen it as many as Luke because that would probably be very improbable. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, seen it heaps. When I was a kid, I would always say Superman 2 was the better movie. I was like, it's Me too. cool, there's more action. It's, you know, like he's got Kryptonian villains. There's other superpowers. Like, it's all there. And then at some point in my young adulthood, I realized it, that wasn't the case. The... I stand by. I think I said it when we did Superman the movie. It, it that is the better movie, and this has a lot of flaws. And well, we'll get to it. But yeah, it's 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 strange how it used to be. Like Bam Pow, what an awesome action movie, Superman on the big screen, and now it's like okay, very dated. I mean, I won't get into it too much, but it's it's yeah, it's definitely for me how I yes. feel about it, which is I'm, unique. I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the same as you where I grew up because again if you're I'm saying so this has got the action it's got the drama as a kid That's I think you even yeah. showing one yeah. and two to kids today they lean towards this movie because of that but when I'm curious really curious to hear what you have to say Rob because even even myself like how I watch and appreciate this film now my takeaway from the film is so different to how I watched it back then so I've got a feeling mm-hmm. That you're not going to have as much love, but we'll—I know we'll get into it because it, watching it, like I watched mm. it a couple of days ago, first time in a while, and yeah. yeah, there's a lot of problems with this movie that we'll get into, but it does give the action 
that you would have wanted after that first movie. So this film had always been received well by critics and audiences, but viewing it today, well, well, like you are, Rob, it's yeah. going to be interesting. Well, let's take ah. a look at let's take a look at the legacy that this movie sort of left behind. Now we we won't get into the the, the deep dive of I guess this film series as a whole because we touched on that I guess with the first film. But yeah, well let's let's break down what we've got here. Uh, yeah. on a, made on a budget of fifty four million, uh, brought in a box office return of one hundred and ninety point four million dollars, which made it the mm-hmm. third highest grossing film of nineteen eighty one. Interestingly, I read that it was actually the most expensive film ever made at the time of its release. At the time, yeah. But then I also read that the original, so the one before it, um, cost an extra millions at fifty-five mil. Um, So could they could they be referring to the combined budget? So that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I'm not sure. So yeah, I think I think it might be combined. But either way, fifty-four, fifty-five. Apparently, was a lot of money to spend. But if you're doing two productions, I understand. Interesting tidbit, uh, Superman Returns um, was also the most expensive film at the time of its release. That cost $204 million um, and it was in 2006, so a little bit different, but yeah. Um, critical rating, so it receives high praise. We, we touched on it a little bit. Um, generally positive reviews are regarding characters, the dialogue and the performances, but not so much enthusiasm around the special effects. Mr. Ebert, our good old mate, Roger Ebert, uh, Four out of four stars. He, he loved it. So he said, this movie's most intriguing insight is that Superman's disguise as Clark Kent isn't a matter of looks as much of mental attitude. Clark is disguised not by his glasses, but by his ordinariness. Beneath his meek exterior, of course, is concealed a superhero. And the movie subtly hints, isn't that the case with us all? Pretty amazing. I want to add to that. Yeah, I want to add to that because like Christopher Reeve, in this movie and the other movies as well is phenomenal the scene when he's with lois at the hotel in which he figures out that he is superman and you see him stood there from behind and he Mm -hmm. takes his glasses off you see the guy get taller yeah he stops he stops hunching and he just stands up straight and it's even watching it today like it's it's incredible to say like you know how much thought and prep Reeve put into that performance. Yeah, just like you he, know, he did the same thing in the first movie, you know, when he when he kind of is considering telling Lois who he is, and you see that change in him, and it's like, yeah, it does look completely not completely different, but it, it there does. is a major difference. But it works mm. better for me here because she knows, and it yeah. really works because he doesn't slouch back down. That's it. He's it's it is a fantastic performance. Mm. Going back to what the, the critics were talking about with this stuff, uh, it's generally viewed better as the original, which I think we, we, we've just kind of touched on that a little bit as well. Now, from a Rotten Tomatoes point of view, it's 87%, which an average is an average of 7.5% out of 10. And Metacritic give it 87 out of 100. Um, it's indicating universal acclaim. So, yeah, the critics, yeah, they've all got positive things to say. I don't think it was as well received from an awards point of view as, as the first, but uh, Saturn Awards, it won Best Science Fiction Film, um, and also uh, nominated for Best Actor, Christopher Reeve, nominated Best Actress, Margaret Kidder, um, and nominated for Best Music, Ken Thorne as well. Now we know, I mean, I think we probably talked about the franchise before, but let's just go over it very quickly, just so we can paint a picture mm-hmm. of where we're at with things. So of course we had Superman the Movie in 1978, directed by Richard Donner. 
Superman 2, which is this film, 1980, directed by Richard Lester and kind of Richard Donner, but, you know, there's all that. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, Superman 3 in 1983 and Superman 4, The Quest for Peace in 1987. So they were made um, with Christopher Reeves still as Superman. There was Supergirl in 1984, directed by Jano Schwark. This was set after the events of Superman 3, which serves as a spin-off of the series and stars Helen Slater as Supergirl. Uh, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, sounds like comics did Supergirl, the movie. They covered that one, didn't they? Yeah, we did. And we're waiting for this review to happen. <laughs> and we're going to get to Superman 3 and Superman 4. We've already done Superman Returns. But yes, we did Supergirl. Yeah. So I'm just going to say here, this is where I tap out. I do not need to talk about Superman 3 and 4. So I'm going to leave that in. Uh, sounds like comics is capable hands. So are you open to being a guest? No, no, Guys? no. Anybody? I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm definitely out. I've got, somebody, I've got somebody lined up for those. I'm even thinking before doing Superman 3, doing the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. It's been a while since I've watched that. And after watching this Richard Lester, uh, the Richard Lester version, I'm going to go back and watch the Donner cut anyway. Cool. Put a pin in that for a second because we'll get to that Richard Donner stuff in a moment and discuss what that's Surely. all about. Um, but just before we get to that, Superman Returns in 2006. Um, mm-hmm. So the 1978 Superman, the movie and its sequel, which is this film here, uh, were credited by director Brian Singer as an influence for Superman Returns and used restored footage of Marlon Brando as Jor-El. And that's basically this film series before mm-hmm. you know, the modern Superman that we have. Do you know what the main, um, the main consistent thing about the whole series is? Well, with the, with the exception of Superman Returns in 2006, is Mark McClure, who plays Jimmy Olsen, he's the only character to appear in all five oh. of the originals. I was going to say the true. John Williams theme, but okay, yeah. Oh, well, the theme, but <laughs> yeah. it's not John Williams the whole way through, but yeah. And you do um, get, you get a snippet of the John Williams theme as part of the Jerry Goldsmith score in Supergirl. So you're both right. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, let's... Supergirl, before we move on, I've got a question. Does anybody watch the, the modern DC uh, Arrowverse Supergirl? Yeah, <laughs> all of it. So, another little trivia bit, because I watched it as well, but I didn't get it until I was researching. The, the actress who plays all, all, um, Ursa. Uh, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Douglas, sorry. She actually, she appears in um, Supergirl in season oh, three. You know what? Everybody does with these DC yeah. shows. Like... Most. Oh, well, most. see, if you think with, about it, yeah. With Ursa, or Sarah Douglas... She plays mm. a Kryptonian priestess. That's right. Oh, yes. Which a One prism is named after. Seasons. Yeah, I'm not right. sure if I mentioned it when we did Super on the movie, but I probably did. I can't remember. But I did meet Sarah Douglas at a con years ago. Oh, wow. No, you did. She was fantastic. Was. Either that or you've right, told, okay, you've told well, me before. In case people have not heard it, they can hear me now. Not only did I meet her, I got a photo as she was giving me a cuddle and a kiss. Hey. I've always been a fan of that. You know, I've got a kiss from a supervillain. Is that and photo... a movie that I grew up loving. <laughs> is that photo in reaching distance? It isn't, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll send you a copy. Maybe you can share it as a teaser for the episode. <laughs> okay, Me and Ursa. Sure. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's get into the movie, but let's start with, I guess, like it's troubled production. Richard Donner, you know, the director of the first film. Yep. There were some issues. So it was reported that Donna had developed tensions with Alexander and Ilya Salkind and Pierre Spengler concerning the escalating production budget and production schedule. 
Uh, Donna claims that he was never given a budget, but either way. <laughs> in July of 1977, Richard Lester came on board as an uncredited associate producer and intermediary on Superman to mediate the relationship between Donna and the Salkines, who were no longer on speaking terms. Lester eventually became a second unit director where he and Donna formed an effective partnership. Jump forward to October in 77, Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, and Valerie Perrine had completed their scenes. With months left of filming, the Salkines had halted filming Superman 2, of which Donna had shot 75% to focus on finishing the first Superman film. Two days after the first film's general release, Marlon Brando had sued the Salkines, claiming he had never received his percentage of the film's gross and filed a restraining order to prevent the use of his likeness. Brando's completed scenes for Superman 2 would be excised from the movie. Donna publicly hated this decision, stating that if he continues with the second film, it would be under his control. And in March 1979, the Salkines decided to replace Donna with Richard Lester. The footage, the footage of Brando that we don't get in this movie, they used in Superman Returns, and instead had to shoot footage of Lara, Superman's mum. That's why that's in this movie. I think, I think the way they tried to spin it was like Clark or Clark Callow is having a discussion about love and what to do, I guess, with these kind of personal choices. And they were like, oh, it would be more appropriate if he spoke to his mother about these issues. And I'm like, it cool, works spin it how me. you want. It's it fun. works for me. But what I found funny is the fact that Marlon Brando never once pronounced Krypton correctly. It was Krypton. Yeah, but do you so know what? This movie, when they've got the actress playing yeah. Lara, Superman's mum, she also says Krypton. Ridiculous. <laughs> just to keep, just, you know, Mar- Marlon Brando started it. Nobody clearly <laughs> wanted to correct the guy. Yeah. Legend. So <laughs> let him do whatever he wanted. But you know what? They kept it consistent. It's Krypton. <laughs> It's, it's so anyway. interesting with, with all of this stuff that's gone down because it da- it does sound like the um, the Salkins or Salkins, um, however you pronounce it, from a production pr- sorry producing point of view, it sounds like they've made a financial decision to take Mar- um, Brando out of the and because of that implication with the um, with whatever his percentage split was, Donna didn't like it, and then it's ultimately ended up with Donna being replaced money just decides everything you know but brando himself was almost phoning it in in the first movie <laughs> in, the, in the, you know so oh, all of this sits it in on well. his but shoulders he found it in well he yeah, did well but, but it all sits it on his shoulders like it is it did work yeah it worked it works very well like even the krypton as a kid like wait <laughs> what it's what planet are you talking about <laughs> it sounds good <laughs> but it does work though and having you know whether it's superman batman like having these big tentpole actors attached it had always done well for superhero movies yeah it's good having brando in there and again we later got the footage in superman returns of him talking to his son we got there eventually i definitely missed having you know that presence of brando in this film um and richard donner as a director you can see a clear difference between the two films even though they were made yeah pretty much can you really yeah a clear difference it's so different yeah, okay. I, mean, I, I thought you were challenging me. A, no, but Rob the tonal shift, I'm sure. Yeah. The, the silliness <laughs> of this yeah. movie, the bad dubbing of jokes thrown in that were clearly written yeah. after the fact. It get anyway. <laughs> 
yeah, I agree. We're gonna totally we're gonna we're gonna get to that. We're gonna difference. <laughs> we're gonna touch on some of that stuff a little bit later. Oh I think. man. So creative consultant Tom uh, Manikowitz declined to return to the project out of loyalty. Um, he wasn't the only one, but um, uh, Superman co-writers David and Leslie Newman um, were then brought back to retool the script, constructing a new opening and um, an ending. So the nuclear terrorists at the off tower. That's that's new. Um, Clark and Lewis at Niagara Falls um, and Clark's hypnotic kiss. So these are new elements that were not in the original uh, script. Um, the remaining sequence is left to be shot, uh, included scenes of the Kryptonian villains um, in Idaho and the battle in Metropolis um, with Brando cut from the film. The scene with Clark surrounding his power was reshot. So Susanna Yelp took the place of Jor-El uh, returning as Superman's Kryptonian mother, Lara, which we just discussed as well. Lots of changes. Um, Lester, he could not be credited as, as co-director unless he shot 40% of the film. Uh, so this is interesting, this bit here. Although Lester had early thought it, um, he would not be credited when he uh, took the role, he did approach Donna to see if he uh, wished to be credited as co-director. Um, and Donna replied, I don't share credit, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, 40% of the film is that is that line in the sand, I guess. So I guess that's what he had to reshoot uh, to, to make it his. But you know what? Um, then he got the full director credit, so whatevs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, John Williams, so you, we, you hear the score at, you know, in the opening credits. Um, it's all there. He was originally slated to score uh, this, this film, but... Williams and Lester fell into an argument. Williams told Ilya uh, Salkin that he could not get along with this man and Lester, Lester's frequent composer, Ken Thorne, was selected to score the sequel. I also, just on that note, read otherwise as well that Ken Thorne was a recommendation from John Williams. Um, so even yeah. though he led this production, he also, <laughs> he also had, um, yeah. if you look, you look at the timelines, he also had Empire Strikes Back. And yeah, Raiders. I, I think Raiders yeah. was happening at. Oh, well, I read that for, for Williams scheduling conflicts in Uriah. Um, you know, there's one version where Lester recommended Ken Thorne. There's another yeah. story where Williams brought him on. They'd worked together. They'd known each other professionally. I mean, so we get way, the John Williams we'll, theme somehow. Yeah, that's. I think that's so, the that's yeah. the key takeaway. We still get the John Williams theme here. Yeah. It's you know obviously placed and utilized by this new guy. All good. Yep. I think you wouldn't it's, know otherwise. If a credit came I up, didn't. John Williams, a kid. You'd, yeah, you'd just think, yeah, all good. No, no. Oh, I didn't. I didn't until I was researching it after watching it. So, um, but uh, I, I, I also read that um, John Williams was, you know, willingly gave, you know, the, you know, get, get, handed it over to Thorne and said, you know, do it, do what you want to do with it. Um, and that's where I read that he was also committed to other projects anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, and that theme, you know, like, that's such a noticeable theme. You can't you can't really retool it. It's kind of what it is, you know. Yeah, as slow so. as the, the 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 opening of this movie is, where the credits are playing and we're just getting drawn out snippets of what happened last time yeah. on Superman the movie. Um, and hey, I like it, that. It's it like drags out. I like it. But you know, yeah, it's a good opportunity to <laughs> not good only see the credits, but yeah, you you get the theme, and it's just like yeah. Keep in mind. This is yeah. 1980. The first one came out in 1978. It's not like today when you could just watch it on Blu-ray, DVD, stream it. Exactly, yeah. So it right. had that weight. So I think a recap was a good move. Yeah, you can't just watch yeah. the clips on YouTube. Like, so no, I get it. Mm. It's how it sort of had to be done. All right, mm. let's let's address the the old Donner cut. Um, Luke's already mentioned it. 
but basically, yeah, there was a, uh, what do we call it? A special edition, a director's cut type thing. Um, but let's yeah. talk about what it's all about. During the production of Superman Returns, uh, Warner Brothers acquired the rights from uh, Marlon Brando's estate to use the late actor's footage from Superman into the film. Shortly after, Ilya Salkind confirmed that Donna was involved in the project to recut Superman 2 using Brando's unused footage. Um, it was released in November of 2006. The Richard Donner cut incorporated unused footage shot by Donna and finished scenes by Lester that Donna was unable to shoot, as well as the screen test by Reeve and Kidder for one pivotal scene. An alternate prologue and opening sequence at the Daily Planet that omits the Eiffel Tower opening from the original, as well as the original scripted and filmed ending for Superman 2, featuring Superman reversing time before it was cut and placed at the end of the first film. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen the Donner Cult, but that is a big difference because Superman turning back time was always intended to be at the end of Superman 2. Obviously, we've got it in Superman 1, but instead of Paris, the missiles sent by Lex at the end of the first movie, they get sent off into space, and that is what frees the Kryptonians. That's a big mm, difference yeah. right at the opening of the movie. I've, I've seen the Richard Donner cut once because I was like, mm. yeah, I want to watch it. So when it came out, picked up the DVD of it, I was like, yeah. Well, it was like the Superman 2 like three-disc DVD edition or something. Richard Donner cut yeah, I've got it. I got it as a Blu-ray, as its own thing. So I've got oh, it as hmm. part of the, like the box set that's got all of them, including Superman Returns, but it also got its own Blu-ray release. It's got heaps of special features, but it doesn't play like a full movie, though. Like, it does still have to use a lot of what Lester did just to put out a full movie. So it's still not completely, yeah. I don't think, all his. But it's, but it's different it's, enough. But it's more like the, his intention watching. of what he wanted the movie to be. And, and I guess a little bit of compromise was you. But having watched it, from what I remember, that first viewing of it, it is a better cut of the movie. Like it is the things that we've already mentioned, you know, uh, you know like the comedy, the... Yeah, the tone. Of it. Like, the tone is just... Yeah. If not for the fact that they use the time reversal thing in the first movie and then mm-hmm. still included it in this Richard Donner cut, I get why it's there. If not, for the, if not for the fact that, you know, it, by watching both movies back to back, you get the time reversal twice, the Richard Donner cut mm. would be a great sequel to the first film. Yeah, but it's... Consistency of, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but it's, it's, it's time all the time. Like, it just it keeps doing it. So that's how it feels when you watch <laughs> the I mean, and then the if, Richard Donner cut. That's the only, literally yeah. the only downside. That's all I've got. If you can do it, just do it all the time. I mean, it looks hard work. Like, he was pretty pissed. Like, <laughs> like he was furious when he, fl- when he flies up. But it was never intended to... When they put out the Donner Court, it was never intended to be instead of this movie. Yeah, it was just yeah. sort of like a companion, something for the fans. See, yeah. you're right. There's, there's scenes that are just the same as that first movie. But it's definitely, you know, worth watching. Rob, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you haven't watched it. Uh, if I mean, you had and not seen this, that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be mental. What a perspective. Imagine, imagine that. No, no, no. Um, I haven't, haven't seen it. I'm, I know all about it. I've been through the research. I, I understand what's going on. I just wonder what would have happened at the end, the conclusion of the first film, if Donner had got his way. Because they used that time reversal at that point, And I really don't think he would have u- intended to use it twice. For two movies. So suppose, what do you reckon? Like Lois, Lois, uh, Lois dies. She dies. Okay. Yeah. 
behind the scenes, a big thing that happened with that first movie, because, mm. you know, Jason's mentioned already, they were making them simultaneously. And that's, and they were going to put them out in quick succession, one after the other. The reason why that didn't happen as planned, they was running out of money. And mm. they had to put out a finished movie. And that's, so there'd have been story elements, you know, a part of it as well. But the main drive to put out one first, they needed to get some money back. And it was with the success of Superman the movie, they then had the money to finish Superman 2. Without getting the money from Superman the movie, they may have not finished it. Yeah, I just, I just wonder what, what Donna's like vision, vision because I haven't read any, anything in the research about what the in, initial story would have looked like for the last act, the last act of the first movie, um, because yeah. they've used so much of it, they've shared so much of it across that, the dual, the two, the two different stories. I'll, um, um, I'll say this, so it, Lois dying at the end of the second movie, when they'd have had more, we'd have had more time as the audience to spend with these characters, watch the relationship mm-hmm. grow more. It, it's impactful anyway at the end of that first movie. And it's a long movie. Yeah. But if that was to happen at the end of a sequel and he has to really push himself to turn back time, it would have had much more of a payoff. Yeah, I think so. Too. But they just had to bring it forward. I agree. And I'm purely on the, what you just said. Like, <laughs> yeah, to have two movies behind that character and then to have it killed off, it's mm. like, oh my God, it would have been more impactful. Yeah. I've just had a thought. It could have even have been missile space, the you know Zod, Nam, Ursa, freed to be continued, like them coming to Earth. Yeah. Instead of it opening Superman two, that could have been the end because that would have been a good cliffhanger. Like you've had Superman going up against real estate, and then you teased that <laughs> yeah. like you're going to have Superman going up against three evil Kryptonians for the next yeah. one. I mean, they did kind of tease it in the opening scene of the the first movie. You know, if you hadn't forgotten about those characters by the end of the first film. But that's the thing. So mm. to bookend it, so you yeah, start it would have and been... you end with those characters. Yeah. So that could have been the intent. Yeah, you almost need to do think... like a secondary Richard Donner cut of the first film. Yeah. To... Do you know what though? <laughs> I've always found well, just Krypton change the ending. More... Krypton's more impressive in that first movie. Because what you get in this second movie is that weird robot security guard. And it's like he, he's there. like a stormtrooper. It's weird. It's, it's pretty yeah. cheap. It's very, very Battlestar Galactica looking. Actually, yeah, yeah. It probably is more Battlestar. It's, he's quite, white. it's very lo-fi. <laughs> lo-fi. <laughs> <laughs> lo-fi sci-fi. <laughs> All right. So there's many, like there's obviously a different cut of this movie. Take which one, whichever one you want, whether you're ever going to, whether you check it out. Like Rob probably won't or not. It's all good. <laughs> Up to you. It's just something for the fans. Rob won't. <laughs> I, I, and I, that's, can, I can see his face. And that's you, okay. You, you, you don't even know how I feel about this movie yet. It's taking you 40 years to watch this, yet. Rob. Rob might have hated it. <laughs> he might be like, you know what? If there's a better version, uh, I'm going to check it out. Well, the, the way, honestly, we could I, we just ask him. On. Will you watch we, the we could, Oh, we could talk amongst ourselves, Jason. What, what do you think? I, <laughs> I, I actually... No, well, we've got to keep talking about the rest of the film so you can really see what my thoughts are. But yes. The way that we've explained it, I wish they didn't run out of money when they were mid-production because I could see that working really, really well. Like that, that's, that's such a... Yeah, like you said, two movies in, you fall in love with a the character, they're together, and it all just goes to shit. And then he's got to fix it by, you know, at the on that second movie mark, you know, reversing time. 
And that would have been a perfect way to like bookend the, the first movie as well with the, the Zod, you know, yeah, oh, gosh, why didn't, they, why didn't they do it? Why didn't they do it? Anyway, doesn't matter. Let's talk about characters. Clark Kent. Yeah, let's do it. Clark Kent do and it. Lois Lane. Who are they? <laughs> we know who they are. We've got Christopher <laughs> Reeve and we've got Margot Kidder. So, of course, they're back. But their relationship yep. is the focus in this film, um, both the relationship mm-hmm. between Lois and Clark and, I guess, Lois and Superman, one in the same. The, I genuinely felt that their chemistry was lessened in this one compared to the first. And I even noticed it even more when once Superman lost his powers, for some reason I feel like they didn't have the chemistry. I don't, and I don't know why. Because like I, I just, Lois just only the, wants the super-powered guy. She even it's says it. This is, <laughs> this is why I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested in, in your your take watching it so recently, Rob, because I'd never got that. And it's that thing when you've watched something so so long ago, or you were a kid when you first came to it, and you've got that nostalgia, yeah. and you see different things in it. But so yeah. I've never got that. I've, they had great chemistry in that first one, and I guess mm. always seen this as a continuation. Mm. I thought they had good chemistry again in this one. But they do have to play it differently because there's a love triangle, as you've said. You've got Mm. Superman, Clark Kent, and Lois. And there's the reveal, which, you know, I do like. And you get a different side. You get There's some good story Mm. elements there, but she's, I don't know, like she's got this thing that she wants and she she achieves it. She gets to be with him and and Mm. he's experiencing as an adult being human for the first time. So he's doing a lot of different things in this. Yeah, yeah, the drama and the conflict oh. that comes with their relationship is like I said, like the focal point of this film, and I think that's it's probably it is the more serious side of the movie, even though there mm. are a few jokes and stuff thrown in there. I kind mm. of I don't know. I'm on the fence of how I like it, how Lois feels about Clark. She like very sincerely doesn't have much interest in him as a person. Mm. I get like she meant refers to him as a as a good friend as a great guy, yep. all that kind mm. of stuff, L- like legitimately friend zones him. Mm. There isn't that like, oh, you know, I'm kind of, I, Superman's amazing. Um, yeah. You know, Clark's really cool as well, like as a, as a man, as a person. There's none of that. It's like legit. She, she loves Superman and that's yeah. it. And then when it happens to be Clark Kent, then she's like, oh, well, I love you now, I guess. And, and then there's the conflict of, of is Clark Kent the mask? Never- what is it? Ah. Oh. Oh, okay. Let, no, oh, which we so know. Much we to, know the to get into what you just <laughs> said. But what this this movie, like Lois calls him out on it. He refers mm. to Superman as being somebody else. Mm-hmm. So in this movie, like, there's different ways to play Superman. I know my favorite interpretation of that, but it's that they are two different people. Like he right. is Clark Kent, and he'll become Superman, and then he's becoming a different person. You're 100% getting that version of the character in these movies. Mm. My favorite take on the character, I think I probably said it when we did Superman the movie, is that he's always Clark Kent. Superman is something that he can do, but at his core, he's always that kid that grew up in in Kansas. But Mm. this movie, again, like he's referring to Superman as being someone else entirely. The whole Lois friend zoning. Clark or mm. being in love with Superman, to me, that always just rein, reinforced the secret identity. 
Because, yeah, there was he's a clear you know, he's difference. Got, you know, the glasses and everything else, but the fact that she's got a clear distinction between I feel one way about Clark, another way about Superman, yeah. he just very much gave a clear mm. yeah, distinction. To her, they're two different people, and she's <laughs> she ain't a player like that. So it, it, well, I've got I've got, so I've got a comment about how it, how how easy easy she is with with certain things, but um, listen, um, wow, I, recently, <laughs> recently, or not recently because sorry, she's since passed, but mm. later on, uh, Margot Kidder actually said that thinking about it after the yeah. fact, she did think that maybe Lois was too quick to sleep with Superman. That yes. scene, though, that's the reason why. You've got the kid in Superman Returns because that's where Lois fell pregnant when he was depowered. Oh, right. Oh, right. Because oh, otherwise, well, it's going to yeah, be yeah. like a crime scene. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if, he was, if he was powered. But that, that's, a, that's the story point. It was from mm. that moment. And that's why you know Superman Returns mm. is connected to one and two, disregards three and four. Mm. It was the scene when he was depowered. Yeah, right. But she's in love with Superman. Clark's a friend, but then she realizes that Clark is the person that she's in love with. So you go with it. Like it's she's not mm. suddenly loving Clark. It's like, oh, oh you, you want know, this person that I was it, in love with. It does work. Yeah. Like I'm all for it. It's fine. And you know what? Like, even though I know that these scenes are what we call like the Lester scenes, you know, the Niagara Falls, the Eiffel Tower. Mm. They're fun. Like the, this movie gets straight into the action with it, you know. Lois yeah. Lane needs saving, and then it's all about Lois's mission of trying to reveal Superman's identity. It's like mm-hmm. it, they're fun scenes, whether it's action packed yeah. or it's just, you know, like mm. Superman's fighting terrorists, and then Superman saving guy... people from water. Yes, yes. But did you guys <laughs> get the the Jewish line at Niagara Falls? This honestly, there's so many. Oh yeah, it's like audio. It must be Jewish or something. I I didn't catch it. Okay, somebody says, "Of course he's Jewish," and that's that's a call out to Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, the creators of Superman, who were Jewish. So that's what that is. It's a little (laughs) nod to them. Mm. The opening is great. You've got the Paris thing, which we know we've said it's added. But when Clark first finds out, he's, he's in the office with Perry, you know, my best reporter, Lois, she's right in the middle of it. Jimmy comes in and he's saying there's terrorists in Paris. And Clark's like, that's terrible. <laughs> and then Perry's like, the terrorists. That's why they call terrorists. Yeah. They call them terrorists. <laughs> so there is some good gags in here. There's some good lines. Yeah. There are definitely some uh, good lines. Um, so, there's also some bad ones, but that's fine. Um, one thing I want to say just bef- about their relationship before we move on is it ultimately, it, even if you stick with like the, the, the Donna cut or what the original thought was, you know, about reversing time or whatever, there, there is that, the, the, the super kiss, which, you know, I guess we probably should talk about. Pe- people, people were critical because they didn't think it was a real superpower, but it was a real superpower that Superman had. Um, Listen, yeah. just because yeah. he does one thing one time in the comic, you can't always just say, hey, well, you know, it's from the comics. Well, I mean, it's all canon. I mean, right? you can, I guess. But still I stupid. It. It's I, still it's, dumb. It's, it's appeared in a comic. It has. But I've hated it. So like, Action what, Comics just... number 306. Yes. Are you making that up or is that true? That's in my That's notes. True. It's in my notes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I got it off the internet. Well. It must be true. 
Yeah, I, I read it. I read it as well. But um, now what, um, I, what I was trying to say was the super, the super kiss when it happens. Forget, forget about if you, you're supported or not. There's a real legitimate moment there when you're watching Clark accept his that decision, and it's like they have a little moment, but then you know, forevermore, he, he you know, she she doesn't realise who he is, and that's the heartbreaking moment I thought because they travelled so far and they were like, no, she's a he had accepted like they, they you know they were together and it was like yeah and then basically yeah. basically this, it doesn't yeah on this most recent watch I, was, I think i was feeling the same thing i was like this scene is actually playing really good like mm. she's it all, does. It she's does. like heartbroken she's like she knows that they can't be together or that she knows that he doesn't think they should be and he's gonna obviously Kid end it really sells it Kid yeah. sells it and it's it's yeah. it's more her she's highlighting how hard it's going to be for her. Yes. Less we can't be together. Like she's like, this is just going to be so hard. I've, I'm living with this secret. And then he's the one that makes the decision for the two of them. I guess, I guess in the scene, power. he's already made the decision. So he, he's adamant on what he, what needs to be done. Um, like the, the scene plays really well, but then it does. Uh, but then there's the, the kiss that, and it's like, Oh, the twist is that she is now, a memory, certain bits of her memory has has been wiped, and it's I just mean, like how uh, accurate is that power? Well, I, I don't know. know. It's like, a, it's a, it sounds bloody accurate. To it be sounds honest. like she um, legit is missing like a year or so of her life or something because she's like, what's going do on? Do we know life? that this is the first time he's done it? Because we know how bad at spelling she is. Maybe that was a result <gasps> of the last time he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, hey, can I can I point out something? You know, you know when the kiss happens. You know, so it's in her office and you see there's a couple of things on the wall, um, like framed articles. Has anybody yeah. seen what that is? There's one that says, I spent the night with Superman. And I just wondered whether or not she actually wrote about sleeping with him. No, that's from the first movie. Is it from the first movie when she was you, can hanging you out with him on the balcony? Flying, so nothing can you read sexual. Yeah, right, that's, right. that's what that is. So that so, was like... So, a, so it's a carryover yes. from... The, yeah. It I is. noticed it when I was, Listen, when I was watching it. talking about... So, Things framed on the wall. I'm sure you all saw Bill Cosby many times. <laughs> yeah. I read That's about an it. Odd thing to see <laughs> yeah, more than once. That? A lot. I, th- I saw it once for the first no, time it, in this viewing. And I was, oh, okay. At first, it I saw it once, and I was like, "Okay, random." And then there's, you just there's keep seeing with, me. <laughs> you, yes, there's a scene when you've got Zod, and one of the many times you will say Neil before Zod, and there's Bill Cosby on the wall behind him. It's bizarre. That's amazing. The only I mean, thing, whatever like, you I think, think about Cosby today, even then it's weird. <laughs> He's just upon the wall. Now it's weird. Perry's office, I guess. No, it's even weird. Perry's a fan. Perry's a Bill Cosby see, fan. I did see, did see one, but I didn't, I didn't see too many. To be honest, I wasn't paying that much attention. But what I did see a lot of was a lot what I did see a lot of was was um the the Marlboro brand of smokes because they oh, were everywhere. Mate, That's this flowing everywhere. Is. Well, it's not just like that big battle for Metropolis, and we'll get to that. Mm. Good and bad. I'm sure we'll mm. get into that. But yeah, you see the truck there, but throughout the movie. And I guess they gave a lot of money to the production. Well, Outside, I've researched this, 40 grand. Well, well, there you go, right? Yeah. This movie, or well, this series, is the only time that not only do you see Lois Lane smoke, she's a chain smoker. Yeah. Like she's almost lighting one as the last one goes out. Like she's smoking yeah. so much in these movies. I mean, that speaks. She, watching these movies, obviously retrospectively, like that, there's something there. 
smoking in yeah. films and such blatant Indoors. advertising and endorsement of the, of the product. Coca Cola. It destroyed yeah. the sun. It was funny. It, I was like that. watching that bat- final battle scene. I was like, oh my god, I really want a Coke, which I've. I'm drinking now, and I was like, "There we go." I want to get KFC. Forty years later, (laughs) (laughs) are you smoking? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to have some cigarettes, and I want to have KFC because one of them walks out of a KFC and loses their chips. So, anyway, oh, actually, this might be a good time to have a break. Should we have a break, guys? All right, yeah, no, it sounds good. Um, Yeah, we'll be back in just a sec. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. All right, we're back. Uh, let's keep moving with this. Um, this... Superman 2, I mean, the main difference really getting into this is that we've got Kryptonian villains. The Phantom Zone. Yes. So the the whole plot device, it was introduced in the first film at the start and they're never spoken of again until this movie. All good. In the original script, (laughs) I think we spoke about this earlier, the nuclear missile from Superman the movie is what releases Zod and companions from the Phantom Zone. We already mentioned that the scene was added to Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. But in this movie, of course, following the, the terrorists in France on the Eiffel Tower, the what was it, hydrogen bomb, was it? Was it hydrogen? Yes, hydrogen. In space. Which was in a drum. <laughs> <laughs> Just really? so you know, it was in a drum. But it, I thought that was funny. Though. In um, a drum? Yeah. That's... And, like and also, the Phantom Zone right? happens to be a. It's, there you go. Yeah, the Phantom Zone happens to be a big giant square of plexiglass. But that's cool. Incorrect. Um, it's a mirror. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. That, that's that's. So you're seeing. That's your like view into the Phantom Zone. So yeah, I've always loved that design. That plane of glass of them being squished inside. It's always been very cool. But the reality yeah, like inside, it's like it's another dimension that was. Not necessarily created by Joel, but discovered by him. Yeah, like there's definitely mm. lots of space, but the way that it's illustrated is it's like it's like they're stuck behind a, a piece of glass, and it's like yeah. yes. they're looking it out this window, like and they're like, "Oh, I get it." I get and it. it. It's, it's always been a fantastic yeah. visual. It's like the, the trapped, and it's sort of like it's them looking out of their cell. Yeah. So there's yeah. more to it, but it's them looking out. Yep, yeah. I, 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 I do. <laughs> I'm only joking a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. It's a, I think it's, I mean, how else? You, you can't really convey another dimension that seems to be moving through space and time. Like, it's just, in fact, do you know what? what? Watch Supergirl. They actually go to the Phantom Zone, the movie. All right. Oh, okay. You've got Peter right. O'Toole playing Zoltar. I feel like something and he else. And knew Carver as a kid, and he's there. There's something yeah, else where they go to the Phantom Zone. Not in yeah. the movies. <laughs> they don't <laughs> touch on it again in three and four. So it's only the first two movies. A you TV get series, time. maybe Smallville or something. They go. Oh yeah, no, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, I mean it's Superman law. Yeah. So you get it it's in Smallville, Supergirl TV series. Yeah. So it's it's always featured with Superman, but in this series of films, though, it's the first two movies only. All right, and Supergirl. It's Supergirl. All right, Zod, Terrence yeah. Stamp. Love him. What a performance! He's great. <laughs> oh, he's great. I tell you what, though. His his makeup needed a bit of work because he looked very pale. I have to have to admit, 
That made it more. It's been in the Phantom Zone. We just talked about it. There's no sun. Yeah, it's here. There's no yellow sun because otherwise everybody's powers. It's true. Good point. Anything they should, all three of them should be pasty. They are. They're not. No, they are. And Sarah Douglas is. They're all pasty. Yes, they're all pasty. They're all white. Yeah. Not as much as not I as much as Terrence no. Stamp was, but it's pretty painful. It's it's it to do with it might have been the Blu-ray complexion. copy that I was watching. Yeah, they still maybe. have pigments I, that but, would affect them no matter what. <laughs> they shot it on video. You're watching it HD. Yes, got <laughs> stamp some slack. He looks fine. <laughs> so, anyway, Stamp Stamp was was really good. I actually really enjoyed his performance. So he's, I, um, he's brilliant. Yeah, and it's lots of not a nuance with what he's doing. He's He's a bit confused because he's, he's getting these weird powers and he doesn't quite understand what's going on. But he's also, it takes a, the way I interpreted the, the, the performance was he learns very, very quickly that he is above everybody here. Um, and not only, so back on Krypton, he would have been a general who was equal physically to other people and, that, and he would have had a different perspective. But he learns very quickly that he is not that person where yeah. he is on earth and the way his his actions and his his behavior is it's very clear it's like nope i am i know where I, I i now lay in the in the world um and but he's still at the same time still learning about his powers as well but he's he's just got <laughs> quite content and it's you know he just doesn't have any respect for humanity and i know if you yeah. look so when he was on Krypton, so he was the general the leader of the kryptonian army but the whole thing the reason yeah. why he got since the Phantom Zone in the first place is because he wanted to overthrow Kryptonian society and he wanted to rule them. Mm. And he gets banished. That's why he's got a vengeance against Kal-El, Superman, because it was his dad that was his jailer. Non mm. and Ursa are his followers. Mm. Non, you are without voice as you are without mind. Love it. Yeah. So they get yeah. <laughs> they get banished. So when he arrives on Earth Great and he's got these powers... <laughs> He's mm. literally, yeah, he's doing what he set out to do on Krypton. But I he is inconsistent, that. though, because it, in one breath, he's saying, son of Jor-El, you will kneel, I will rule you, you will serve me. But then there's a scene when you've got the three Kryptonians fighting Superman, you don't see General Zod say the words, but there's a dodgy dub, <laughs> and Zod says to Nod, or gives the order, Kill him. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it almost sounded like Swartz. Does not make sense. Like from yeah, was it? But it's just the <laughs> line though. Cause it's sort of like yeah. you're gonna suffer, and by and to suffer, you, I will rule you. You will kneel yeah. before me. You will serve me. And then randomly, he says to his minion, "Non, kill him." Kill him. <laughs> yes, yeah. makes no sense. Kill I reckon him. that was added. I yes. reckon that was like many scenes in this movie or many audio dubs we get. But that so, just never made sense to me. I admit that I actually did notice that. So that was one thing I did notice. And that's one thing I noticed about a couple of the things. And I'm assuming now that we've done our research and discussed it, I'm assuming they are changes that uh, Lester made along, along the line, um, yeah. the choices that he made. But that's he, one I, I yeah. definitely picked up that you've got a complete flip of hang on, you're, you're going to be torturing somebody. That's the whole point is you want people to worship you and then your choices that you want to exterminate. Yeah, it didn't make quite sense to me. But um, the, perform the... the performance was still great. It's still a fantastic performance. Solid. For a, the most solid part, 
performance. Zod's still pretty consistent. Like he adapts to calculating, working out what's going on with their powers, why it's all happening. Like he knows, he knows what's up. He knows who he needs to talk to. He's fairly consistent. Like he doesn't. Besides, yeah. besides that, <laughs> which again is probably mm. just really just an editing flaw at the end of the day or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, solid character, great villain, yeah. just a menace. Yeah. Just a, just you know, a this is this is a movie that again start to finish I've seen so many times, but I'd always come back on VHS and watch key scenes. And when Superman is first fighting the Kryptonians, that's one of the things that I'd watch over and over and just wear out the tape and the scene where superman is fighting non the top top of the building the like the antenna or just the railing of the it's about to fall metropolis's the, empire state building yeah yes he's about yeah. to fall <laughs> on the people and then everyone's panicking and there's that woman like not caring in the world da, pushing a baby mm. about to go my baby <laughs> my baby superman swoops in that is a bit that I've always, always loved, but the the dialogue exchange between Non yes. is something that I've, I've always loved because Non is still on top of the building, and then Superman I'll, plays. You be you be Zod, I'll there. be Ursa. Do it. <laughs> I've discovered his weakness. He cares. He actually cares about these Earth people, like pets. I suppose so. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Before that, Ursa goes. And he's on. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. This Superman is nothing of the kind. I've discovered his weakness. Ah, it is. It's very, very quotable. That whole exchange is great. By today's standards, the action sequences, the pacing, and everything else. It's shocking, man. It's, it's terrible. There's, there's three of them. They're all taking it in turns, and it's very slow and faster than a speeding bullet. Not really, though. Like, they fly pretty yeah. slowly. Like, they're in no hurry to do anything. But sticking with the villains, though, <laughs> yeah, the dynamic is is fantastic. And Sarah Douglas as Ursa and Jack O'Halloran as Nan, who just grunts and Yeah, he gets the best lines. <laughs> yes. And he's a big guy anyway, but I didn't know until doing research for this. They actually yeah. had him where he wore lifts in his shoes yeah, to, to make, make him, him yeah. even taller and more menacing. It's, yeah, he's like, yeah, 6.6 or something, 6 foot 6, but he also had yeah, war lists, which is amazing. But, uh, so so they, these um, two got, characters, though, they, they weren't originally, yes. like, they weren't, they, they were original characters for, for these films, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah no, that's right. I mean, Ursa and Nan, they didn't enter comic book continuity until 2006 in the Last Sun story arc, which was written by Jeff Johns and co written by Richard Donner. The female character that usually works with Zod is who we got years later in Man of Steel. But in that comic, Zod and Ursa have a kid together in the Phantom Zone. That kid gets sent to Earth, is found by Lois and Clark, appears to be a Kryptonian. They adopt him as Christopher Kent. And then Narn, not Narn, oh well he he's in it as well, but Zod and Ursa then get freed from the Phantom Zone and they come and retrieve their son. And there's all this inner conflict. It's really good and worth worth reading. It's been many years since the new adventures of Superman, Lois and Clark. That's what it's called, Lois and Clark. Yep. The the series finale with the baby that's showing up, showing up. Could that yep. be that storyline or something similar? Oh, maybe. I mean, we never Ooh. found out because we were supposed to get 
season five, but Terry Hatcher got pregnant and scheduling and, and everything else. Mm. So that wasn't intended to be the last ever episode, but yeah, like you got the new Krypton story arc in season four and then the finale, there's a kid and we never knew who that was. So let's say it was, let's say it was. That's fine. But then yeah. again, that was, that was years before the 2006 comic though. But I do like mm. that. Oh, idea. true. Yeah, good point. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, some stuff about Sarah Douglas. In fact, there's a lot of stuff out there um, when I was researching, just bits and pieces. But some of, a, a fair chunk of her lines are actually dubbed um, by and it's a, an actress named Annie Ross, um, who actually played a role in Superman 3. But um, I haven't seen that, so I don't know who the heck that person is. She plays but, Webster, the main guy's sister. In that. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, but it was interesting that Sarah Douglas's lines were dubbed. But, I mean, if you look at the movie itself, there's so much dubbing happening, in, but it's not really that big a surprise. What have I been saying? Uh, it happens a lot in this movie. It, it isn't always in sync. Could it also yeah. be, because this is pretty much like, even though an American movie, it's a, it's a British production, could, there be, could it have been like a lot of, obviously, like English and then, I guess, British actors and stuff? And then maybe they were like, oh, we've got a little bit too much of the British accents going on. We need to... No. Could it have been that? Zod. Zod. He sounds British. Well, yeah, yeah but, but that's cool that he sounds British. <laughs> well, it makes sense that Ursa would also sound British. We never hear yes. Norm speak. Mm. Christopher Reeve, Superman, grew up in America. Hmm. Like even Russell Crowe in Man of Steel playing Jor-El, being an Australian, it sounded British. Yeah. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of what they go for. <laughs> Kryptonians it, are, are British. It, they, often, they often do it. Even the Krypton TV series, like a lot of the cast, even though it was an American well, show, a lot of the cast were British, mm-hmm. including Cameron Cuff, who played Jor-El's nephew or whatever he was, grandson. That might be because, and this is this is completely probably stereotypical in some way, but there are, you know, because I know there's very various accents, you know, of you in the, within the UK, but um, there's a general, I think, an attitude in the US where British people are more formal and more, um, you know, I don't even know, know how to articulate it, but there's a certain level of class that the Kryptonians seem to hold themselves in a certain level that they hold themselves at. They use, and yeah, I the British accent. It's more so, elegant. Yeah. And- well, the British accent's made up of so many bloody accents, though, but here's I think one. that that might be... There's one of them. Yeah, here's exactly. an example. <laughs> and you sound but like yeah, the man, smartest man in the room. It's all good. Yeah, definitely, you definitely do, especially in the virtual room. room. To a, a I do when we're talking Superman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway oh, yeah. because we're totally getting off track, but a couple of other things before we move on, because we do have to move on. Um, Sarah Douglas, uh, she said that she worked... Uh, really, really enjoyed working well with Gene Hackman. Um, but interestingly, both um, Douglas and uh, so Jack O'Halloran as, as well, they actually, both of them didn't get on very well with Christopher Reeve, apparently, um, allegedly. I, so, yeah, no, exactly. I, I read that as well. You're only going from what she's saying. Hmm. He can't really defend himself. He can't really defend himself, and, of I course. don't know. Like, I mean, if you look at Reeve, like, obviously you were known as Superman. But he trained at Juilliard. Like he's, cla- he's a classically trained actor. Yeah. And he could have gone method. He maybe purposely kept himself as Superman yeah. away from the villains of the movie just to create some sort of tension. I don't know. So whether that's... I mean, you're right. What I was, you know, what I was finding when I was... All, it's all allegedly. Fun facts yeah. and trivia. I, I, was, I was just finding, I was like, a lot of things just seem like a lot of gossip mm-hmm. and like hearsay and yeah. opinions. And, and I was like, hmm... So, you know, it, it's hard to say. 
Especially yeah. with, with, the, with a movie this old, it's like, you know, and a, a production that was sort of, it sounds like it was a bit messy, obviously. Yeah. Um, it just sounds like, you know, what yeah, was documented gonna... accurately and what wasn't. And Well, know. that's it. It's not yeah. like it is today where, where everyone's got a camera phone. Everyone's and, tweet, you know, saved yeah. forever. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's different. Before we move on from Ursa, though, if you do watch the Donnacourt, that is all Sarah Douglas. She said that's all her dialogue. There's no dubbing on that one. Fantastic. Before um, we move on to the next character, I just want to say, Margot Kidder really punched Sarah Douglas in the face yeah. during one take. It was an accident, but it happened. Oh, do you mean the scene where Lois Lane murders Ursa? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did, did, you, did, you, did you know that also, quick, just quickly as well, um, oh, Ursa, very- when she kills an astronaut, um, um, she, that actually got cut from the Jap- Japanese release because they didn't like um, a woman being too powerful. So oh she wow! Kicks, yeah. She kicks an astronaut in the groin and he flies off. Ridiculous! Yeah, they, they they cut it. Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman is back. Luthor, you poisonous snake! <laughs> I love it. Another great line. I like how he starts off bold in this movie, and then oh, once yeah. again, once as, again, he's got the as, as as somebody who's not super familiar with all yeah. things super, um, <laughs> he now he I thought he had a greatly reduced role compared to the first movie, right? It was a big bug in the first movie. Yeah, he becomes secondary in this, obviously. The Kryptonians are the big villains of this movie, but he does serve a purpose. He does serve a purpose. But yeah, he's got a much bigger part in that first movie. It's just, again, like thinking that they were meant to be one big movie, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Making them back to back. So it would have started with him being the main antagonist, but then you get these Kryptonian villains. So the threat level is being escalated. I still, yeah. I still and, like what uh, Hackman's doing with his Lex yeah. interpretation. You know, like I mean, he's, he's, Hackman. A, he's very smart. He's, <laughs> he's a he's yeah, a villainous yeah. character, but the way his character, like the way he performs it, it's just like he's a jovial, fun guy. You know, he's cracking jokes. He's he's the cheeky yeah. man in the room. But yeah, he's a snake. He's a snake for sure. Lex Luthor, rule of Austra- ruler of Australia. Of Australia, that's ruler it. of Australia. Yeah. Oh shit! Hackman, he he didn't want to be bald. He didn't. Yeah. We've got to see it briefly at the end of Superman the movie when he rips yeah. off the wig and reveals himself to the warden as being Lex Luthor. And in mm. this, he didn't want to be bald either. He didn't want to go with a bald cap. Yeah. So he wants to use a variety of wigs, but even Hackman conceded to the fact that if yeah. Luther is in jail, he wouldn't be allowed his wigs. Well, so I'm absolutely. glad he opens with a bold, a bold Luther with Otis in jail. Yep. Um, I agree. I, I, I had that in my no, my notes as well, and I, th- I thought that was a nice touch. That it's um it makes logical sense that it does. He would wear would wear wigs. Um, although in the comics he pretty much is exclusively bald. Though, right? That's how he is. He correct. is. As a kid, he was a redhead, but yes, he lost his hair <laughs> at a young age. And there's different story points, like there's like an origin where it's kryptonite related. But as a yeah. character, yeah, he's for the most part, yeah, from his early creation, he'd been a bald man, originally a mad scientist, and then an evil mm. businessman, which is what we get. We're going to say an evil bald man. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it. Are uh, the evil are uh, pretty much evil. Rob. I'm, I'm currently currently looking at my yeah, currently looking at my own <laughs> screenshot with my own head here. Yeah, very good. Um, 
<laughs> you know what? Okay, no. back, to, back to Luther as a character. I mean, yes. if they plucked his character out of this movie, you know, he, he, he was in jail and we just never revisited him. I mean, nothing would really change that much. I mean, he plays a minor role in getting Superman and the Kryptonians meeting quicker, I not guess. Not minor. Not minor. He finds himself the Fortress of Solitude. Somehow. By just going mm. north. Keep going north. north. Move on. Moving on. So, okay. so not only does he locate Superman's home, the Fortress of Solitude, also he's the one that reveals that Lois Lane is somebody special to Superman. It's pretty integral to the plot. The villains go after her. The villains know where to go. But the end result is Superman and the Kryptonian, and the Kryptonian villains meet. It was bound to happen. Mm. Yeah, it, the same end result. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, but he, he still plays a part. I mean, <laughs> no, he plays a part, and he's also he's also clever. Don't forget, you got you look at it more this way. He's intentionally putting the Kryptonians in the path of Superman, right? He intentionally they. they he, he says that, you know, that this is, I'll show you where he's hiding and everything at, at the conclusion of the movie. Of course, he would probably expect either Superman to die out of this or at least one or two of them are going to, something's going to happen. Like, he's just letting them do their thing and hopefully going to pick the scraps up to the end. Yeah, he's a and smart, he'll pick all the pieces. Yeah. I like when he's, he's at the Daily Planet. Superman's not been seen. He's depowered. The Kryptonians are, ru- are running things. When Superman makes his grand entrance, <laughs> oh thank God! You know, General <laughs> cares to step outside and all of that, and Luther's response, oh thank God! And then Zod <laughs> looks at him and he goes, "I mean, get him!" Right? I've always loved that bit. Yeah. He's a sni- he's a sniffing little 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 rat. He's, he's all about self-preservation, whatever side. He's on the yeah. winning team. Uh, like I said, it it, it can be removed. And I don't think much would change, but you know, either way, good to see him on screen anyway. I, I prefer seeing him doing his thing, even if he's not doing that much. Two characters that have been majorly reduced, Otis and Eve Tessmacher from yes. the first yes. film. Yes, well, you, Ned Beatty and Valerie Green. Yeah, so you alluded to her earlier. That's why so she left the project mm-hmm. and they didn't have her for any more days. So when Lester came to shoot his scenes, she was no longer attached to the film. It's crazy. Like, I mean, we, we get it. Otis is left in prison in that <laughs> pretty funny scene. So I was like, all right, done with that character. But um, Lex and Miss Tessmarker, like they're on their journey to the Fortress of Solitude. They discover all that stuff. And then the next time mm. you see Luther, it's without her. She's, she yeah. disappears. There's no, no one addresses it. Well, I mean, no one would, but Lex doesn't. There's no scene to address it. As an audience member, yeah. you know what? Previously, I'd never actually really noticed until now. I was, like, was going to say, the hell does it, she go? I, I also you didn't know. You know. Yeah. I also didn't notice it until um, I, I went back through the research and I was like, oh, yeah, of course. She yes, is she not there anymore. But um, she, she, didn't, she didn't get just get fired, though. She basically didn't, wasn't, she just didn't come back for reshoots, didn't she? As in the same thing as Gene Hackman that she chose not yeah. to because of Donna, right? Or, or did she actually get fired? No, no, she wasn't fired, but she could have had something else lined up. No yeah, matter what mind, happened, she a few wasn't years available. Separated until like this movie got back yeah. into production. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to admit though, I, I really, I, I said this in our um, our review of the the, the, the first. Um, 
I really didn't like Otis and and Eve. <laughs> I, I was okay. I didn't really care, but um, to to not have them part of this movie, I was actually kind of happy about that. So, um, I was, and I was engaged enough with what was going on with um, the Kryptonians and things like that. Yeah, like so, we didn't really need. And, yeah. Um, and, and something we haven't really touched on, um, but, you know, there's flavours, you know, Man of Steel and, you know, you know Zod's appearance in that. And it, there was definitely, when I was watching this, you know, for the first time only a couple of days ago, I was also thinking about, you know, that more modern take on things with the, the current DCEU at the moment. And I, and I really enjoyed that. I mean, I can see this is a very dated version of that, but I, I thought that, I thought it was a good story take. So to not have Otis and Eve in this, I was like, I don't really care. I'm okay with it. They're fine, but I don't really care. So I no, I, no, sorry, I don't. I wrote definitely the first, very first thing I wrote as soon as Otis appeared on the screen is I hate that character. I hate it. So right. yeah, I am glad that he's not there. I am glad. He's <laughs> there. I, I I like them as as characters and Miss Tessmacher. She's a character that's also appeared on the Supergirl TV series mm. and. There's, I think uh, it's Jimmy Hang on, Olsen. stop, stop, stop for a second. Stop for a second, yeah. stop. Because I, I've only just had her introduced. So if you're going to spoil right. it. Okay. okay, no, I won't. Okay. No, I'm going to get into spoilers. But there is a line, I believe it's Jimmy, that calls after her in a way similar to right. Gene Hackman does as Luther. Yeah. Like he's calling it's, after her like, Miss Tessmacher. Yes, he great. does. It's, it's a great yes. nod to these films. Yeah. But no, no spoilers for Supergirl. And now she, yeah, and now she's um she's Lena Luther's assistant or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that's all I know about it so far. Um, yeah, yeah, great, great character. Um, I guess, but yeah, just not needed for this one. And I'm happy about that. I remember Luke um, when we were talking about these characters and when we were discussing the first movie. Um, and you pointed out it was like Luther likes to surround himself by, you know, people of lower Ooh. intelligence than him. Even though Miss Tessmarker seems to have a little bit of a clue, still a bit of a bimbo I suppose so like there's a point to the characters yes and it feeds it's, it, yeah. it's just to feed Luther's yeah. character really so and for us I'm... the audience it's mm. he, he has somebody to, to talk to like, yeah, instead yeah. of just monologuing about what he's so going to do he's got in... somebody to talk to about his plans <laughs> in this movie himself. he's got other characters <laughs> that he can do that with so it's all good yeah. and more I so this movie, like, you know, tone and everything else, like it is skewing to a younger audience. So mm. by having a character like Otis, who is a lot dumber than Lex, like mm. Lex can be really obvious when he's talking about his plans, mm. which is the audience. So if you didn't quite get it, if you're of a particular age, it's really, yeah. you know, it's obvious for you to get what he's talking about. Mm. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you can watch film and TV and characters are saying obvious things to each other. It's like, well, yeah, they know that. Why are you even saying mm. that? Otis is a way for Lex to just blatantly talk about his plans in a really yeah. obvious way. I def- definitely get it. And I remember actually, you know, when I was watching when I was watching this movie, your comments—it's actually your comments, Luke, from uh, the previous review. Uh, I actually had it in my mind. Is that of course Lex? You know, is surrounding himself with fools. You know, so it elevates him. You know, to to it to it you know, the, the next level. Um, so I had that in my mind, you know, w- watching this as well, but, you know, as a part of his character there. So, so thank you very much for that. Thank you very <laughs> yeah, much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise I just would have been furious, <laughs> furious at Otis because I freaking hate him. 
because it's so annoying. Well, so, you're still furious with him. <laughs> <laughs> no way near as bad as, as much as I was when we wow. reviewed the first one. You hate him. You hate him. Let's, hate him. Let, and let's just get into, uh, I guess, like just a wide scope of this of this film. Yeah. The action, the comedy, yes, the, all the elements that make up uh, the spectacle that is this movie. Um, free for all, guys. Just throw out whatever you want to talk about. Let's. I want, I want to throw in some stuff. So I, I have a. You, you all know. Everybody, listeners know. You guys here in the chat. You, you know. I have a strong appreciation for practical effects. Um, and so the uh, the the breath storm, I guess you'll call it. In the in the Battle of Metropolis, super breath. The three yeah. of them are like, yeah, the super breath going on. I absolutely adored that scene. In fact, I've written it here in my notes that that was that was my favourite thing in this movie because they, you know, production went all in. Like they were throwing cars down the set and stuff. It was it was awesome. I thought it was great, and it was back in the day. It was practical, but you have to admit it was so freaking weird that there's just three of them are just going. Blowing and yeah, so right. the, the, the visuals, I, I yeah. the visuals, the power like that that's working, and yeah, they're doing it for a long time, and and, and it plays out well. So, I agree yeah. with what you're saying with the practical effects, yeah. The comedy, I hate it. watching it, I hate now, the comedy. I didn't so, so much get it when I was a kid, but watching mm. it now because it's not, it's it's too silly, it's too silly. Visual talking. Yes. What about the guy on Much the phone? Like, the phone falls over. He's laughing and still talking on the phone. Yeah. And then some yeah. guy just happens to come out in his roller boots and he's... Yeah, and he's rolling backwards. backwards. <laughs> yeah. And then just so a I, man and woman... Their hair, oh, I can, let me do this. <laughs> the man and woman come out. Their hair gets blown off. Her wig, him, her, her yeah. wig, his wig. And she's like, my hair. Your hair. What about my hair? It's just... You could just imagine that like, as they're doing that scene, Richard Lester is furiously scribbling away at more gags like, do this, say that, do this. Uh, just writing little bits silly. For me, I had, and I wrote it down, you know, I wrote all of those examples you got, you said, I wrote them down as I was watching them. I'm like, yeah, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But just watching them, like, you know, just throw cars down the set and then they're smashing great. things. Yeah. And I was no, like, it's like, particular with a car. It's amazing. I agree. It looks it does, great. But the gags ruin it. Yeah. And the comedy. And really I have do. to say, broadly speaking, the comedy, um, you know, there's that, those things. And I feel like they're, it's just forced jokes here and there. But there's also, you know, dubbing of things as well. And it's just, it's really I feel bad. like they tried to be noticed noticeably for, so for somebody who's in his 30s watching this for the first time. 40 years later, you could tell that they were gen- genuinely trying to get a different tone and really yep. trying to force the last. And so that element, I noticed it and I was like, hmm, I don't like that. But hell, they just threw a bloody sedan you know, down the road and just smashed into that. It was bloody wicked. What the heck? That all on? holds up. That is, that, that's yeah. great. But, it's, but another thing as well, like Superman's power set, you mm. never... Yeah. Superman in these films, for me, are not a pa- not as powerful as he appears elsewhere. Like if we, the moment where he flees, but we know what he's doing. Like he's redirecting the enemy from civilians. Yeah, they follow him back to the fortress, but it, a bus landed on him. Mm. He gets taken out for about five minutes. Yeah, he's Superman. He can yeah. punch a plumber. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Yeah. 
and, so, and some dude's just like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. And then and the people like, are like, you know, just standing up. Hey, you killed Superman. And they go and stand up. And that's what brings on the super breath. I do, yeah. I do like that. And they do it really well yeah. in the Sunday Spider-Man films where the, we're New Yorkers. And whenever you're watching Superman movies, it's Metropolis. It's New York. Mm, yeah. So mm. even in this movie, it's, oh, you know, just like in Spider-Man, New Yorkers are standing up to the, to the threat. They yeah. do it better in Raimi's Spider-Man films, more yeah. so that first one. I mean, I and think the second one. I think there were a lot of parallels to, especially Raimi's Spider-Man Two, with this film. You know, like the the decision, you know, the choice kind of theme of like, should I keep doing this? Do I have a choice in in yeah. what I want for my life? Um, you know, the love interest finding out who the who is who yeah. the identity is. Yeah. The, yeah. the the hero giving up their powers or their superhero thing, you know this... the public the public being involved in that sense as yeah. well. Like yeah, you know, you know they they all he's he's revealed on the train. You're and right. Like, you know, yeah. Here's your helmet. Well, your mask. Sorry, yeah. your helmet. <laughs> here's your mask, and they just respect him. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can see that. the parallels now that you're pointing out. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. They they are that. You know, I rewatched the Raimi films just over the last couple of days. And watching one is like, oh, wow. I forgot how phenomenal this movie was. And then went on to two. It's like, wow, this is just an went excellent like, movie. Yeah. And it's so great. And I knew the third one's problematic. And you take hey, Venom There's still some good shit in that movie. Though. No, yes. Right? You take okay. Venom away. The, the, the Goblin Jr. scene at the beginning, I still hate that. But when it's made in Sandman, yeah. yeah, when it's made in Sandman, it's really good. And just the ballsiness to end the movie on just them in a loving embrace. That's it. That's the end. There's, yeah. there's some good elements in there. Yeah, Snow Patrol and we Yeah, but there's a lot of studio uh, interference on that, clearly. Yeah, You've got yeah. a director who wants to make one movie. Again, the parallel to Superman 2. There it's, it is. It's all, it's all here. We've not really yeah. talked about Superman giving up his powers and what happens next. So him and Lois go to a diner and they meet Rocky, the guy yeah. that's, you know, he's, he's rude and everything else. He starts hitting on Lois and Clark gets beat up yeah. and he's freaked out because he sees his own blood. That's not something he's, he's used to seeing. Pretty intense though to, you know, it to is. see your yeah, I thought it was sort of just like beaten to a pulp. Yeah. But at the end... When he's got his powers back, yeah, yeah, it's a bit petty, isn't it? A little bit. That's never quite. He's ah, never quite like... sat well with me, and he oh, goes yeah. in there, and 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 one the, the line that Clark says to Rocky is offensive to both the diner and the staff and Rocky, and he's got the line, "Gee, that's funny. I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. How yeah. rude! I'm sure they do very nice cuisines in that little diner. Yeah, yeah. and then you know he spins his chair. Like the food might not be the healthiest, the, but he wrecks the pinball machine. Hey, he's been working out like, apparently. He yeah, does pay for it. You must give him a couple renovations, mate, in repairs. Pain in the ass, and nice. and that that, has that takes time. So it's a big inconvenience. Even though you're right, he did give a handful of cash to the owner. But it's not good just, enough. Even a, I thought, I thought it was reckless. I thought it was a terrible yes. idea. Why'd you do it? Yeah. You don't need to go back there, mate. Come on. You're Superman. You're yeah. better than just, that. I mean, it looks at it. Just get on with your life, mate. Like, yeah. So, but his, his return, we've talked about him arriving at the, the Daily Planet, but I have always loved how they show him returning. 
he's been away and you see the front you see a, a newspaper stand the papers there the headlines are reading that the that the world metropolis has gone to mm. shit superman's nowhere around the kryptonians are are ruling essentially and then you get the john williams theme the newspapers mm. start to move in the wind and then yeah, superman can, flies into shot yeah it's brilliant yeah, you can hear the rumble as well. It's, you know, like, yeah, yes, it's, 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 it's really, great. Really cool. And he appears. Is I was beginning yeah. to think he was a coward. I'm not a coward, Zard. <laughs> so I mean, good. you got you got, you got all so the Metropolis going. You got all the Metropolis to saying, you know, like, oh, he left us. Oh, he ran away. Oh. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they quickly turn on him. <laughs> it always, uh, but Superman just, didn't even do it's anything. Like, it's, like, it's like it's like you don't even understand. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hey, look, I've got I've got some notes here. Just talking about special effects and, and how they put together this. I was going to say this at the top, but I, I left it out for now. Um, so there is there is actually a uh, a fundamental um, shift in style in in the cinematography for this 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 movie compared to the first. Um, you may or may not have noticed. I didn't really but researching it i understand what's going on yep. so um director lester he didn't actually like the scale so it was more of an epic scale with the first first movie even though it wasn't action, action centric <laughs> well par- apparently that's the thing there right so but um, for that first movie it was a hit well, anyway that's but, why it doesn't yeah. make any sense but, that a change but it, movie was successful yeah that works let's fix it but but, okay. but they changed but yeah it's like yeah oh that works for you but um but they so they changed it they, they brought on um Sort of right here. Cinematographer Robert Pater was brought in to create a style that was more like a comic book. And so by that, by doing that, they um, the first movie had a lot of uh, what they would call gliding camera techniques, where they would you know follow things around and move move, move in and out and things like that. But this was more along about horizontal panning, so keeping it within a single frame. Uh, sorry, a single reference point horizontally, and then static framing, so where you just watch something and then people come into the frame. And the whole idea was to evoke, yeah, to evoke the feeling of a comic book, um, and you know, by putting more people into a frame as well and making it feel more congested. I didn't notice it, but they genuinely put a concerted effort into changing the style of it. Um, I wasn't. I wanted to find out whether or not you guys noticed it. Cause I knew that you've seen it multiple times against the first as well. Yeah, when Did you, you start, anything when you start looking change? at the film like on a technical level sort of you know how things are mm. framed and how the pitch is put together and how shots are set up yeah. you can see a very clear difference um okay. and it comes down to you know that just adds to the tone as well it's just it creates a yeah. dip, different atmosphere in terms of like yeah. how the story is being presented and told to you so visually yeah, it strikes you in a different way um it does kind of pop a bit more like it makes it seem like things are yeah. i don't know like, I want to say, like, overall, like, it's a brighter sort of feel. I think that's because it is a lot more choppy and, you know, like, yeah. it shows things in a different way where the first one, it took its time to just stay on a single shot for a moment because it didn't need to be it's, cutting yeah. and framing something differently. It's, it's very different. That first movie, you don't see Superman for about 45 minutes. There's oh, no I... hurry to get to him, and it is a much bigger movie but it's a strange choice and you know they had the reasons but if you look 1966 for two years we got batman on tv and yeah. they did a lot of things to make to recreate the comic on screen they used a lot of dutch tilts mm. and then 78 they made this straight epic movie yeah. and then two years later 
it's like they're looking back at Batman 66. Let's make it more of a comic book film. It's a weird I choice. Wonder if, I wonder if that was Lester's choice or if that was the studio's choice to, uh, I reckon to, it was move, Lester. move it to more. Yeah, interesting. I, I reckon it was his. Because he, he'd had a lot of success in France with the Three Musketeers movies. So that's what he was known for at the time before doing Superman 2. And then he came back for Superman 3. The opening of Superman 3, like, again, I will get to it. It sounds like comics. It's just ridiculous. It's it's very similar to the super breath scene from Uh, from this, but it's just really silly. And then you chuck in Richard Pryor. Anyway, that's, that's another episode. But again, always watching this movie... As and just knowing it as this movie, I didn't pick up the changes in cinematography. I mean, again, I was yeah. a kid, but I've also read that. And when you go back and look, then you, you can see. But it's that thing is again, when you know, you know something's yeah. pointed out to you, you're going to see it. And that, that, and that there is actually uh, one of the one of the things from my experience with this movie. It's um, you know, I came into it knowing that there was actually this troubled production and and that they'd actually reshot, you know, very very similar to. Um, the whole Justice League thing that we're, we're dealing with now, you know, like they, we, you're talking about a huge percentage of reshoots just to get over the line. Um, so I knew that as I was coming in. So that's a bit unfortunate in that sense, you know, to have that knowledge. But um, one, th- one thing as well, like from a, if we're talking just, you know, production elements um, before we kind of wrap up a bit here, but um, uh, Lester actually favoured, and the cinematographer, um, what was his name? Robert Payne. Painter favoured a um, a three camera perspective during the shoots. So we said at the top there that um, the uh, the Idaho town fight war scene that was yet to be shot, and um, the Metropolis battle. I don't think it had been shot either. A couple of those big set pieces hadn't been shot, and ultimately, what that meant for the cast, from what the, the notes I could tell, um, was that. They, you know, they were used to Donna's shooting practice, which was a single camera, and so they knew where, the, you know, where the close shots and everything was coming from. Whereas you had three simultaneous cameras filming at once, and so they were a little bit. It was a little bit more frustrating in that sense as well, with a different, not only a different cinematography style, but also a different, just completely different production style. And then on top of that, if you go onto IMDb and look at the Goofs page, there's so many listings of. There's in camera, like in camera, like cameras in camera because they were doing three different shots at once. And so like that, that scene in Idaho, apparently there's at least two, maybe even three scenes, shots, sorry, where you can actually see production crew with a different oh, perspective. Wow. Yeah. So um, ah, the, really just say it was today. the news team. It's the other news yeah, team. No, I was going to say that. But you could, just could, assume, wouldn't you? <laughs> but but they're there. <laughs> but but that would have been an element of the production that escalated when um when Lester yeah. took over. I so, mean, that's interesting. Any directorial it change, a, there's going to be frustration. It can't be easy, sort of thing. Everyone's trying to adapt. It is what it is. Can we before we before we uh, wrap up and we get to our quiz? Can I just ask what you guys think of Superman's? S shield plastic wrap uh, attack. It, what was the point? What was the freaking point? What was the point? That's the, that's, that's the biggest problem. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. It did nothing. And even non, he looks at like, what was that? What was that? You know, <laughs> who throws a plastic not, sheet? <laughs> that's not something that has been taken 
from the comics. Like that's just something that it's only ever appeared in the movie. It makes no sense. But more than that, did you, the it's almost like so, okay, so Kryptonians on Krypton under a red sun, a human. Mm. So when like Zod's making the observation that oh people of Earth are really weak, they're as weak as you were on Krypton. But anyway, moving yeah, on. You're full. You're full. He's got yeah, the, yeah. So, powered by Earth's yellow sun. Mm. So in Superman 2, Kryptonians appear to have an ability to utilize the power of the sun and fire it as a beam from their hands. And then Superman's retaliating, they're firing beams at each other. Again, not a thing. It's just yeah, in this right. movie. But also, you know, Superman can do that thing. Like all Kryptonians can on Earth, it could, it could just teleport and duplicate himself. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So I run... It's ridiculous. With that, I, I, that always, well. I read... Uh, I viewed that as they were moving really, really fast. Uh, that's not how we... I've never no, no, taken that way. No, 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 because, no, because he's in multiple places. No, he's in multiple no. places yeah. because... Really? Yes. Because he puts his no. hand down. Yeah, like Lewis yeah. puts her no. hand down. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't work. work. It doesn't work either. They, um, they are teleporting with that really weird sound effect. And, oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it, way, it, it is on. I was confused. I wrote it down as well. I was confused by it, so... Yeah. So it's, it's all just made up, like the Ooh, character, I guess, oh, at yeah. some point. <laughs> back, in, right. back in the 30s, it was made up. How he defeats the villains, though, I do like it. They're in the fortress. Oh, yeah, you get the line. He gives yeah. the plan to Luther, knowing he'd grass. And he's like, Luther, you're poisoning a snake, that great line. Superman's protected. He's in there. They're on the outside. And they're all depowered. And then Superman, first crushes Zod's hand. What a yeah. great performance and yeah. cry for pain that we get from Stamp. Yeah, and then definitely. Superman lifts him up, and kills him, kills him <laughs> drops him down there. He's not going to be okay. Yeah. And then Non kills himself by trying to fly and he can't. I said yeah. earlier, Lois punches Ursa and kills her. Kills her yeah. This happened 40 years ago. And then Man of Steel, Superman breaks one neck... <laughs> And, yeah, and everyone loses it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't like it at the time, for honest. But this movie, it had always been there. Look at Tim Burton's Batman. He's setting people on fire. He's doing this. He's doing that. Yeah. Oh, even look at look, look at the look at the current um, iteration of um, Batman now. Like Batman in um, uh, Batman v. Uh, Batman vs. Superman. Oh, he was murdering. Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, those people, they were not alive. They were dead. Yeah, people no, were this, dead. Is yeah, this is the thing. Like, you know, he's really brutal in that. And, yeah. and oh, yeah. But again, you go back to this movie and it's yeah. happening and it's happening in Tim Burton's Batman. But yeah, so if you think about it, Superman yeah. kills, killed Zod here first. If yeah. you think Zod's okay down there, you're crazy. He's not. No, he's human. He just died. He I mean, we didn't even hear yeah. a thud. He was falling for a very long time. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, Never great. to be seen again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our quiz. Now I've prepared, yes. um, as we do, 10 questions in 60 seconds. I'm going to be quizzing Luke. So hopefully he was aware and he's prepared himself. But you he know should what? know it. He's seen this movie a lot of times. And he's the guest. It. Guest has to be. Guest has to be tested. Always. I knew this was going to be a thing. I also remember doing badly when we did Superman the movie. Great. <laughs> the rewatch for this though, like there were little things would happen or something in the background. I'm thinking, right, 
remember that. Remember that <laughs> detail because that's the kind of thing that Jason's <laughs> going to bring up as part of the quiz. That's right. All right. So hopefully you wrote some notes. So I got the timer, Jason. I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Ready. Three, two, one, go. What is the name of the Kryptonian prison? No, the Phantom Zone. Correct. What is Lex Luthor and Otis's cell number in the prison? Get away with yourself. (laughs) 6035. Incorrect. At Niagara Falls, when the little boy fell, what was the name of the ship that was shown? Oh, pass. What was the name? um, Damn, I did see that. No, pass. What was the name of the hot dog stand at Niagara Falls? Hot dogs I was. Pass. Correct. What does Clark trip on before falling in the fire pit? A, A tiger head. Uh, a rug, a tiger, a rug, a, a tiger. Yeah, look, I'll give you that. It over the head. What animal does Ursa burn? A snake. Correct. Who is the keeper of archives on Krypton? Oh, pass. What is the name of the the asshole, I guess, who beats Clark up at the diner? Rocky. Correct. What is the name of that diner? Pass. What cigarette brand truck is Superman thrown into? Marlboro. Correct. And there you go. You're done. You're done. You're done now. All right. I'll tell you. I was, I was, I was wondering if you're going to throw a Marlboro one in there for him. Because that marks. was definitely... You got five out, <laughs> of, marks. Five out of ten. Okay. So just going I through did... the ones, you got incorrect. What were the answers? Oh, what okay, were the yeah, these, these two, maybe three... Oh, hang on. Can I guess, the, the, can I guess the, the cell number? Yep. I think it's 382 or 384. Is that it? No. 383. Uh Oh, right. <laughs> so anyway, continue. continue. I just said random numbers <laughs> and too many. Um, made of the Mist 4 was that little boat. Right. Um, okay. Super duper hot dogs. Oh. Was, was the name nice. of the hot dog stand. Uh, um, it was a pink bear that Lois actually yes. refers to. Oh, what am I meant to report bear. on? This, a pink right. bear rug or something like that? She says, yeah. Um, Lara, Superman's mother, it's, she's referred to as the keeper of the archives. Oh, no way. Yes Damn. way. I didn't Crazy. realize. Um, the, diner's e- the diner is Don's Diner. Ah, oh, Don's Diner. That's my father-in-law's name, gutted. <laughs> but do you know what? <laughs> Don, I not Diner. I threw in ridiculous super high questions there, so all good. Oh, okay. Not good enough, but <laughs> all good. I'll take it. <laughs> is 50% a pass? I don't know. <laughs> sure. Sure. Good. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Um, yep. We've rewatched or watched for the first time Superman 2. Let's rate it out of five as we do. Look, I understand this is a beloved beloved film. I get, I get it. But uh, I do, I, I, look, I, I said it somewhere within uh, today's episode that I knew, I knew of some of the troubles and things that were behind the scenes before I even watched this thing so i had that in my mind as i was watching it um and i could pick up a few things there was a lot of the dubbing and stuff like that it really really got to me but i have to admit at its core this is a it's a valuable piece of cinema this and i and i i didn't mind it as much as i perhaps thought that i was not gonna like it if, if that makes sense because i have to admit the the older the older school um superhero like uh, movies and Batman as well, like not just Superman, but they're not really my thing. So I, I go in with an open mind, but they're, they're genuinely not my thing. So, you know, the, the connection between Clark and Lois, it's, 
I said it. I said at the top that I felt that it might not have the chemistry might not have been there. But at the very end, when we we conclude with the movie, you know, there's a real sacrifice going on, and and along the way, you know, the the movie may not hold up greatly, you know, compared to today's standards, but I, I, I actually got something out of it, which is a surprise to me. So to me, if, if I'm going to really wrap it up, it's this is actually, you know, this is a two point five to a three movie for me. For, for some weird reason, you have to pick I originally, one. You have to pick yeah, one number. I'm going to go. I'm going to go a three because, in if, if you're looking through the time through the lens of time, this is you know this was aiming to be something. There's a lot of troubles along the line, but it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie, especially if you look through the lens of time. So for me, three. It's 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 a three out of five for me. Now, the rest of you talk about all of the goods and the bads. <laughs> go, go, go. Okay, yes, yeah, three. That's, that's fair. And again, watching it brand new today, if mm. you were to come in at a 2.5, I don't know what my response would have been. But yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, three. That is, that is fair. It's really hard for me to rate this because I have watched and loved this since childhood. As I've gotten older and revisited it over the years, I've talked about the things that I don't necessarily like about it, like too much comedy. The practical effects, we share it, Rob, like they, they're fantastic, car flying through the air, and a lot of it. And you've got, to, you've got to accept the fact that the action scenes are slow, but they're yes. up there on those wires. They're doing it. <laughs> they're getting swung around in the air. <laughs> and it is very slow. And again, I mentioned Superman's power set before not just the made-up powers, but just his speed, strength, all of that. The movie is still a lot of fun. Like I agree you get less Gene Hackman here as Lex, but when you do, he's chewing scenery left, right, and center. You've got the three villains. You've got the relationship between Clark Kent, Lois Lane. You've got Superman. All the things that you want from a Superman movie, and you do have those great, super rescues are good to go back and revisit whether it's as clips or as part of the movie. I still have a lot of fun with this, but what I take away from it now is different to what I enjoyed when I was a kid. I agree that Superman the movie is the better movie of this series, but it's certainly up there. And come on, it's better than Superman 3 and Superman 4. There's no competition there. I'm going to come in (laughs) at a really reasonable four out of five and it's and it's a it's a solid four like this movie does a lot right and like jason said all these or all those years later spider-man 2 like a lot of the best things from that movie we'd seen first here they they did something they put this together you know it's in 1980 you've got superman actually going up against super villains and it's it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I do need to go back and rewatch that Donna Cup to see this movie with less jokes. But yeah, four to five. It's it's still a really good movie. And like if you're even like you know the recent MCU movies, you know starting with Iron Man, you can still go back and say, hey, like 1980s Superman two, it's up there with a lot of the best MCU movies. It's a solid four to five. I agree with the majority of what well, both what both of you have said, the majority of it. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, like, yeah, like this movie, I'll start with the positives. This, this movie does have a lot of cool stuff going on with it. Even the stuff that was like after Richard Donner left, you know, like the, I enjoy the terrorists in, in France and Agra Falls, all that bullshit. I, I enjoy it. Um, the, the action is, is the focus here. Like they just want to get straight into the action. They want to just put a spectacle on screen. When things are looking good, they look good, you know, like the practical stuff. There's a lot of like green, one of it was green screen or just like backdrop use paintings and stuff. Matt, Sometimes Matt, it, Matt yeah, the matte, the matte paintings and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't really look the best and it, 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 but I mean, it's dated. The things that are dated in this movie do shine quite negatively, but it's okay. It's all right. Cause it can look past 40 that. years, 40 years. That's why we've got to throw them a long time. Yeah. It's, it's right. I mean, yeah, the first movie is leagues a better film where this one yeah. is just a fun sort of action comic book movie. I mean, Superman's doing his thing. They're not necessarily doing anything wrong or a disservice to the character or anything like that, except for the shitty soup like powers that they make up for him that just don't really make any sense. There's a lot of mm. the movie doesn't make sense. It's silly. There's goofy things happening. It's it's starting its trajectory into Superman three and four, and it's it's not great. But I'm um, I'm coming in with a three out of five as well. There's a ni- there's enough to like, and I definitely will watch it again and again and again. And but you know whether I hate it a little bit more each time, who knows? But for now, I'm it's still in the good books, but it's not great. Three out of five. It's not the best movie. It's not the best. Seen, it's not the best. Um, I tell you what, though, that, that Paris scene, because I agree with you, I, lo- I really actually like the Paris scene, but could, could we just take a moment to reflect on how terrible the, the mannequin, like the, the little whatever it was, it was, it was like a basically the stand-in for Lois on the elevator. It was terrible. It really is terrible. Better than the boy mannequin at Niagara Falls. That's worse. <laughs> when the little boy's falling, yeah, that looks worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh by, by the way, if you you're right, but uh, did, has anybody seen the uh, some there was some nitpicker who said, um, that boy who was falling, he falls for 38 seconds before Superman catches him, but he should have fell for four seconds given the height of Niagara Falls. And I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough, but. <laughs> Whatever it is, what it is. We it were is, watching. We were watching it through Superman's eyes, so it was slowed down. It's, it's a film about a guy that can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. You've got to have a level of disbelief <laughs> when you're watching these movies. Yeah, yeah, it's not real. And he can, <laughs> it's not real. None of this is real. He can it's not also, a documentary. He can also throw <laughs> sheets of plastic from his chest. Very. Can we stop talking about that, please. Let's, <laughs> let's leave that alone. Uh, he need, Superman needs true. to kiss me, so I forget the really terrible. Well, okay. Yep. Good. That's the thing you said <laughs> on this podcast that you're going to put out there on the internet. Yeah. That's actually locked. That's actually locked in forevermore. So that was our rewind. <laughs> 1980 Superman two. Uh, we've got to give Luke a big thanks, I suppose, for joining us Absolutely. today and bringing with him all of his Superman knowledge. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for joining 50%. us. Fifty percent on the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've said that I'm going to be covering Superman 3 on Sounds Like Comics, but if you guys change your mind, 
I'll come back on your show this time next year. Nah. <laughs> I know you don't want to do it. That's okay. And I wouldn't put you through it, Rob. But now this has been a lot of fun. It's a movie that I love and I've enjoyed being on the show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I feel like if, if Rob continues this series and watches three and four, that's his choice. I, I don't want to force him to do it. I'm Supergirl. But if you did, but if you did it, I'd support you. I'm like, no, nah, cool, all good. And, you know, we can have off-air chats about it, but... You know, I'm looking at it on my shelf now. Not only do I have Supergirl, the movie on DVD, I also have the director's cut. It's about two and a half hours long. Jeez. There you go. So if you ever want to borrow it, Rob, you've got it. I have both <laughs> cuts of the movie. Uh, well, I have to admit, I'm super enthusiastic about it. So yeah. You sound it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Maybe stick All to right. the TV show. <laughs> it, I love the TV show. Love it. I love it. All right. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any rerun requests uh, can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstudiopodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on either that Film Studio or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes at thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. 2021 is nearly upon us, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll be back in the new year with some new rewinds. So watch this space. Of course, That Film Studio will also be back kicking things off with their review of Wonder Woman 1984. We're going to be back, Jason. That film yes, shoot is going are. back. Hey, I'm excited. If I find I'm excited. something. <laughs> I, a, I, so, A, we, watch listen, the movie. If, B, <laughs> prep the, the show. C, sit down, record it. <laughs> it comes out in boxing, Unboxing Day. You've got some time. Here in Australia, we get it on Boxing Day. And oh if God. you found time for Superman 2, you can find time for Wonder Woman 1984. That's true. The people oh. need to know what we think. <laughs> Uh, looking forward to it looking well, forward to it thank you for joining me guys and thank you for listening this has been another Rewind and Review see you on the next trip please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Lewis and Clark, towards the end, I know that I criticised... Lois. You know, along the oh, ways. Clark, man. Lois. Lois. Oh, my God. Please say Lois. that again. Lewis. What? You Lois, said it before it as well. Yeah. It's a thing you do well. It doesn't matter, though, does it? It's, it's like a accent. different name. <laughs> it's not your accent. It's a different name. It's like calling Luke Luke or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> but or calling you Lewis. Lewis is Lois. 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 You can do it, man. You can do it. Lois. We believe in you. I don't know where I passed to pick it up, but... um...